looking at the salaries demand for software engineers nowadays have we ever wished you had opted for computer science or some sort of programming course rather than following your current path in operations marketing hr or anything other than uh, software engineering well the good news is that you can actually make that transition even now even if you are mid career and you might not even need to go back to college to make it happen today we are speaking with paolo garde who made the transition to software engineering after 8 years in fnb which is food and beverage industry and in operations he's going to help us understand how he went about making that transition and what to expect if you decide to go down that route as well but before we begin a couple of quick reminders please do subscribe to our show so you don't miss any of the great guests that we have coming up and if you need notes from today's session please head over to crazytalk.online to get the entire transcript so with that said paolo thank you so much for joining us today and maybe for a start would you like to share with us a little bit about your journey and your career so far it's really interesting that you came from an entirely different industry food and beverages into technology and now you're kind of heading deeper into the tech space so yeah please do share a bit all right hey everyone hey amit it's been a while good to catch up with you again my name is paolo i had around 8 years of work experience in the startup field i actually accidentally got into the startup industry without really knowing what i was getting myself into so that might be its own story in and of itself but yeah before that i was actually in the food and beverage space but in the startup space my first startup job was at uber philippines in 2014 we helped build uber's first offshore functions then i moved to australia after around 4 years total at uber i moved on to become the head of operations at food by us an australian startup in the food and beverage space bit of a culmination of my life's experiences up to that point in 2020 i joined different also an australian tech company this one with the goal of being the assistant to the home i initially joined in an operations role which i did until around end of last year 2021 around this time last year i actually decided to take a bit of a huge gamble and try to make a career change enrolling myself in a 6 month intensive coding bootcamp and successfully transitioning to software engineering just in the start of this year Wow, Paolo, that is quite something. Intensive coding bootcamp are not three words that most people would want to kind of indulge themselves in as as a side hustle. But good for you, and we're going to talk more about it uh, subsequently in this conversation. But since you talked about accidentally falling into the startup industry, do share how that went about. Yeah, back in 2014, I was working in a beverage company. Was what we termed ourselves. They were like a hybrid coffee roastery, cocktail making distillery. We did all sorts of beverages. And at that time, I was just referred by a friend of my cousin into this thing called Uber. And this friend of my cousin, he really was into these referral shares that Uber used to offer back in the day. <laughs> and so he was like picking all of his friends of his friends and i just happened to be one of the people who received an email and our shared manager at that time actually was a customer of that cafe so i'm not sure if he never knew that cafe i'm not sure if i would end up at uber or how much that came into play <laughs> but i think because i had a bit of like 
customer service background from my days in, in food and beverage. And we were still a startup as well in the F&B scene. So it involved a lot of just figuring things out, building spreadsheets, building forecasting models for roasting. It's actually a bit more technical than I thought it would be. I somehow passed the interviews and I had no idea what Uber was back then. We were all on very short-term contracts, but I was a naive 22-year-old, so I didn't really know <laughs> anything about job security back then. So I took the plunge and then, yeah, really was a life-changing moment for me there, which kickstarted my career in tech. Yeah, great. And that's a really great story, <laughs> Paolo. And I think a good decision made overall. So, so speaking, of, speaking of changes and kind of stuff, let's talk about this particular one. I mean, was it sudden that you decided in the middle of last year to do this coding bootcamp and what were you trying to actually achieve with it? Why did you choose to try something so different? Yeah, I think it's a couple of different factors. I think part of it is a bit of self-realization on my end and like my own journey into knowing a bit more about myself. Uh, historically, I was always hyper competitive and very, very insecure. Um, partially, I think because of my non-traditional background, moving into tech, I always had a chip on my shoulder that I had to prove myself in terms of like competing with my colleagues who had all these fancy degrees, MBAs, ex-management consultants. I was a guy with a hospitality degree and who knew how to make really good coffee. So <laughs> I had to be able to be competitive. And at the start, that meant I had to work double, triple the time to achieve the same outcome as my contemporaries. But somehow I was like always making it through the next hoop. And so I'd always like carried a lot of imposter syndrome, mm. especially very early in my career. And while that's led to me ending up where I am now, which is I've had a fairly successful operations career. It hasn't been without its challenges and without its sacrifices, especially to my mental health, my overall work-life balance, the time that I've spent with my family. I think actually a turning point for me was in 2019, unfortunately, my grandmother had passed away. Up to that point over the past few years, I never really made time for her because I was so busy with work. And I think that was a really big turning point for me because actually like got me into like a really dark spot because I would always see she would message me random things and I would just never have the time to reply. Yeah. And I think after that point, I was like, I would never put work in front of my family after that. So I think that was one aspect which led to a lot of introspection on my end mm -hmm. because initially with my career, I was always destined to go down this operations leader, COO pathway. But I think I realized at some point the linear path wasn't for me. While I was pretty good at certain aspects of operations and it really helped me get to that point, at some point I stopped enjoying a lot of the work that came with the increasing levels of seniority. Because I guess you would know this as well, Ahmed, like as you get more and more senior, you get a bit less hands-on, especially as the yeah. company grows, you get a lot more involved in strategic direction, a lot more time spent on meetings. Unfortunately, it also comes with a bit of politics as well. It's just natural in any company. And I gotta say, I sort of didn't enjoy that as much as the journey getting to that point. I think another thing is that after so many years of just prioritizing my work, I've just come to the terms with the fact that my work isn't everything, my identity isn't everything. I'm uh, sorry, like work isn't my identity. Yeah. And I just wanted something which could lead to a bit more flexibility heading into my 30s. I'm talking like I'm this like old grizzled veteran, but yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I just turned 30, I'm turning 30 this year. So I'm like, maybe this is the time where I want to just take a step back and just reevaluate things a bit more. And when I sort of just thought about where I could maybe take my career, software engineering just popped up as something which could tick a lot of these boxes. 
I think some of the factors are that one, it has, I think, a higher salary floor than other fields. Mm. Regardless if you're an individual contributor or a people manager, the floor that you can make as a software engineer is quite high, as opposed to say in an operations career where you're almost always going to be a people manager, say past the entry level point, that's always the next step. Software engineering aligned with my love of tinkering with things. Figured out at some point that my work, I guess superpower, was being able to figure pretty much anything out when needed. That manifested in me the person who was always the first to understand new tools, new systems. Somehow I always inherit being a system admin for every tool out there, even though <laughs> it wasn't what I signed up for. But I figured out that was like, constant with every job that I joined. I was always the first person to just understand the semi-techie side of things. Part of it as well is just that software engineering jobs nowadays, most of them are pretty flexible, let you work 100% remote or in a hybrid environment. And I think over the past two years, that's just something that I've come to really like, that mm. sort of flexibility to work anywhere and switch things up. If you want to come to the office for a bit of a break, you can go there, but not being held down to one spot. It also gives me a lot more flexibility later in life if I do want to decide to maybe say move to a back to the Philippines or to a lower cost environment, at least I'll be able to find a job anywhere in theory. And lastly, I think it gives me career flexibility as well, because even if I didn't end up being a software engineer forever, let's just say I end up hating this career, or just not liking it or not being very good at it. I at least have tried, I at least would have had experience in it. And that could maybe lead to a shift into product management maybe going back into operations, like being an operations person, but actually understanding tech, I think will give me a bit of an edge there, or maybe even found my own thing if I do find mm. something I'm really passionate about, but with a much more well-rounded skill set. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a lot of good stuff that you shared there, Paolo. First of all, I think your moment of realization in 2019, it's something all of us, I think, are guilty of, which is family members messaging, then you're ignoring their messages because you're doing other stuff. And you always rationalize it with, let me just finish my work now and I'll get back to them later. And you never really do that. So thanks for bringing that up. And thanks for sharing that anecdote as well. I mean, I think it's something everyone will identify with in some shape mm -hmm. or form. And it's a good wake up call, I think, for all of us in, in that respect. I also think the way that you're thinking about this whole process, which is you've done the operations, which is let's call it the, the front end part of what is happening, which is with the customer. And then you've done the engineering, which is the back end part, which is making the product and enabling all of this stuff. It's true, you can actually move back and forth between them quite well. And it makes you a very valuable, well-rounded kind of person because an engineer who understands operations is beautiful. And if you were to take up something in the middle, which is your whole product role, like, like you mentioned, then you do understand both sides of the equation well enough to be a very good product manager. And that's a very valuable skill and role in itself. So I think your the way that you've thought things through seems about right. Also, the age of 30, yes, you're not a grizzled veteran, <laughs> but 30 is really a cutoff time. I think a lot of people start thinking about things at 30 and then again at 40 in a different way because then maybe you have a family or more responsibilities or whatever at home. So these are natural cutoff points when people think about changing their life or what they should do with their life. So it does sound very natural and familiar in, in that regard. But how you are looking at it is actually quite interesting. So tell me a bit more about the whole software engineering element that you've moved into. Have you, I mean, you've only just started, I guess been a few months. So how has it been so far? Have you? Do you find yourself progressing? Do you think you're 
Is it what you thought it would be? Yeah, I officially made the transition January of this year. And my company's been nice enough to, so I, I'm not sure if I mentioned, but I did an internal transfer and my company knew about it for a long time. So mm-hmm. we can chat about that, I guess, a bit later about that process. But on my end, I started January, 2022. I was eased into it a bit where I was sort of added to a new team. And then I was given the easier tasks at first, as you do. I think where I've been able to at least contribute is because I've come from that operation space within the same company, I could at least understand a lot of the customer pain points, both internal and external that we were trying to solve. And at least I was able to contribute in the product discussions, in the sprint planning, even though my coding skills are still a bit of a work in progress, I feel net positive there. I realize it wasn't as much of a massive transition in some aspects, because I did have some transferable skills already. I cut my teeth at Uber as a data analyst, very, very heavy on just generating a lot of SQL queries. So that's definitely made me a bit more comfortable transitioning into working with databases. And a lot of the, the projects and managing projects and ops, working in a high growth startup environment, a lot of those skills are actually pretty transferable in Agile. Agile has a lot of branding and buzzwords attached to it. But at the end of the day, a lot of it is like fairly similar principles in terms of building something, iterating on it quickly, Mm -hmm. deploying when you can, and then testing and then just iterating. So a lot of those, even though it has a different brand, I feel has been quite similar and has been a bit of a smoother transition. I've only been at it for four months, so I'm not sure yet if I want to do this forever. But at this point, I definitely don't regret having tried. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And Let's talk a little bit more about how you went about doing it because this seems like a, it's it's a big one, right? It's not like an ops person moving from one team to another where the company obviously thought they're hiring an operations person, but now this person wants to do software engineering and it's not something that they've done before, whereas maybe they should be hiring from outside someone with the skill set. So how did you prepare for this transition? How did you think it through? Uh, how did you convince your company to give you this chance? Yeah, so... I think the first thing I did was actually to find people who've done it before and try to reach out to them. Unfortunately, there wasn't anyone I could find because there's a lot of people who did career transitions into engineering, but there's not a lot of people who did it from like, I guess, fairly senior operations roles into, I guess, a fairly entry level engineering role. So I realized I had to make my own path almost. So around the start of last year, I. I just set myself this audacious goal that I wanted to be a software engineer by 2022. And I started off just researching how people normally transition into software engineering from scratch. The two main routes are to either go self-taught or enroll in a boot camp. You could also enroll in a university degree, but that'll take you two to four years, depending on what you want to do. So that was out of the question for me. My tip for anyone here starting to consider this is just self-reflect on what your learning style is like. Are you the type who can do it self-paced? Because everything there is on the internet. You can do it all yourself, but also it requires so much more discipline. (laughs) I took the bootcamp option because I'm pretty lazy and I I can never really self-motivate myself to do something. And having paid a pretty hefty sum to start a course, that's pretty big motivation. Because prior to that, I've had this huge stack of Udemy courses that I haven't touched for years. I think I have a web developer bootcamp in Udemy from 2016 that's been like in the intro stage. I haven't (laughs) ever gotten past it. 
So yeah, I took the boot camp route. I had to obviously figure out how much time I would need to put into it. I did my research and I guess consensus is that you would have around 10 hours of classroom time in this bootcamp, but you need to put in around 10 to 20 hours on top of it, just on self-study and completing homework. So yeah, that was around 20 to 30 hours a week on top of my day job that I had to mentally prepare for. Luckily, the bootcamp I chose had all of its hours past 6 p.m. So I had a chat to my manager then that I would be unavailable for work between 6 and 9 p.m. three days a week. And she was supportive, supportive enough there. I guess that goes to the next question of how did I work with my company on this? I flagged it super, super early on, around this time last year, actually, that I would be going down this semi-midlife crisis, this discovery <laughs> phase. And I wasn't 100% sure yet. And I told them that as well, that I would be doing this bootcamp, but there would be a world where I might have hated it or I might not have enough time or I would just suck. And that would not have been a pathway for me. But I did say that by the end of the year, if there was an opening in my current company, I would love the opportunity to apply for an engineering role for 2022. I think flagging this super early allowed us to consider this factor of me leaving and consider hiring my backfill and rebuilding the org when I was still around, which is not a luxury that a lot of companies have when senior leaders leave. So I think that that was a bit of a win-win all around there. Mm. In terms of convincing my boss and ultimately tech leadership, because my boss was the VP of operations at the time, she didn't really have the final say here, I guess. Mm. It was the tech leads who would have the final say. I think it sort of happened organically. I was actually pleasantly surprised because there wasn't a lot of pushback. They were just like, okay, yeah, you can transfer next year. And I was <laughs> like, oh, wow, do they even know if I'm good or not? But I think maybe just looking back at it, I think it's because I had a good track record within the company. I'd built good relationships in and out of operations and I'd proven myself to at least have a chance at making it. Because one thing I figured out about myself is that I'm pretty resourceful and I'm good at tinkering and figuring things out, which is a lot of what being a software engineer involves at the end of the day. And our CTO at the time was very, or our current CTO was very clear with me that we'll give you a trial, we'll give you a couple of months, we'll deploy you straight in the engineering team. Mm. If you suck, then you're out and you go back to ops, but you're good, then you'll stay. And I'm still here, so I think I at least don't suck too much, which okay. is good. So, but this is interesting, right? Because they they would have planned and for the backfill, right, during the year. So I'm assuming they've backfilled your role. So what would have happened if you actually had sucked and then, you know, they wanted to send you back to ops, but your role wasn't there anymore? Oh, I'm not sure. I haven't gone down that thought process yet. Mm. <laughs> is that something you considered in this whole planning process? I guess it's a bit of hubris on my end that I would have been like, look, if I didn't make it in engineering, then there might still be a role for me within the company. And that's sort of what they said as well, is that our, my company was supportive enough to, to say that we'll give you this shot in engineering. If you don't make it, then there might be other roles for you. I guess luckily as well, and I didn't notice when I had started last year, like we were in the middle of a fundraise and we were able to raise Series B. So I guess at that time to start the year this year, then the company is in growth mode. There would naturally be some Something, movement, yeah. yeah, some opportunity for movement there because we are looking to to grow so much this year. But honestly, I'm not that good at planning. So I didn't really think all <laughs> that deep through that process. Yeah, okay, got it. <laughs> but I think some of the factors that you mentioned, right, which is that your track record at the company has been good. 
and more importantly if it's in growth mode it would be a bit silly for the company to let somebody good go just because they tried something new and it didn't work out and so therefore i i suppose at the back of your mind in any case there'd have been this kind of a safety net thought process and now that you made this transition what are some of the ways in which it's been what you expected what you hoped for and in what ways has it maybe been a surprise or maybe not as great as what you would have liked i think I expected that I would struggle a bit on a lot of the core concepts of engineering because my contemporaries are people with computer science degrees who've really studied like they probably understand ones and zeros. <laughs> and when once you understand the core fundamentals of how computers work and how networks work, that will give you an edge over someone who's studied 6 months in a coding boot camp because mm. even though this coding boot camp is super intensive a lot of the learnings here are spent just straight up coding without really understanding a lot of the fundamentals like sometimes i know i just sound super dumb when i'm trying to explain something i was speaking with one of the engineers last week about this work i'm doing on just network requests and optimizing them and i'm just like explaining it like a 5 year old where i'm like i connect this thing to this thing and it goes faster and <laughs> What are you talking about? <laughs> so yeah, definitely that's something I I need to brush up on more because the thing about engineering is these frameworks that I know today, these languages I know today, those might not exist or those might not be popular five years from now. So that's I guess the downside or the challenge of being a software engineer is the code or the popular frameworks change over time, and you always need to be learning and. being a computer science major or having an, a better understanding of the fundamentals makes it a lot easier to transition right. from language to language whereas for me right now i would say i'm like more of a javascript person but if someone to, were to tell me oh now we're switching to python it would be so much more of a learning curve for me right. versus maybe someone who has a bit more understanding of cs fundamentals they would be able to switch faster yeah i i think that that's a valuable point maybe there's a level 1 knowledge and then there's a level 2 knowledge which builds on that and the level 2 is what is going to change over time but the level 1 which is fundamentals of computing or how to interact with a computer are going to stay the same and so it may be easier for a person to just mentally transition okay the way i you know define variables in this language is just going to look different in this other language but the way variables work and how they are they are allocated to memory are exactly the same so it makes it maybe easier for them to keep transitioning whereas for you your entire world view is this level 2 thing and if it changes to a different level 2 thing it's like learning everything from scratch exactly. but i think over time you will build that the mental model i guess and then it will become easier for you as well oh for sure so what are some of the positives so this is some okay so i, I get it you expected that you'd ha- you'd struggle a bit and you are going to struggle and you are struggling yeah. a bit and that's i guess that makes sense So what are some of the ways in which you find you've actually maybe doing better or it's been a positive surprise? Yeah, I think I think it's it's an interesting contrast because while I've struggled a lot in terms of understanding the core concepts and there are aspects of the job which are reliant on that, a pretty heavy aspect of software engineering, I guess in in my company or in similarly sized scale-ups where there's a bit more infrastructure set up and there's a lot of code already built is that you can just come in and watch how people have done it in the past and then just adapt it and i think that coincides with a lot of my learning style which is i'm pretty good at copying people mm. and just adapting design patterns and figuring out what's worked in the past and reapplying it and it's also been fortunate that tech stack in my coding bootcamp 
completely coincidentally because I was a poor planner and I'd never even considered this, but our tech <laughs> stack is exactly the same as what I studied in the code bootcamp. So at least that's made the transition a bit easier. The other part is because, uh, as I mentioned earlier, because I have some business context, it's made the developing process a bit faster because even though I might be slower at coding, I'm a bit faster at understanding the problem. So maybe if you sort of extend that to like a week sprint, I might be able to get to the answer faster when defining the requirements with a product manager, even though I'm a slower coder, but it nets out as neutral or that's how it works in my head. That means that even though I'm not an amazing developer by any means, I'm still good enough in other aspects where I'm not a burden to the team. And I think that's already huge win coming from my background to not be a burden. So, yeah. yeah. I think that is really good insight as well. And oftentimes things are lost in translation. So let's say the account manager or the customer support person actually sees what the customer is trying to do and you know what's, what's going wrong. Then they go and explain this to the ops person who's one level removed. Then they explain it to the product manager. Then that person explains it to the engineer or rather actually to the engineering manager who explains it to the engineer. By the time the person who's going to actually write the code has figured out what is happening, it may not actually be what exactly is happening. It'll be a little bit off that whole thing. Whereas in your case, you've got experience from much closer to the front line. And so you can actually build to what is needed on the ground. Even of course, you'll be working to a spec and requirements and all of that, but you fundamentally know what you're trying to achieve, which I think uh, what you're saying is, is right. If you know that, then you're probably going to head in a straight line to wherever you need to go versus going in an iterative process trying to get to the same place. So this is good insight, Paolo. So tell me something else. Now, we've talked about how you planned this transition. We've talked about how you've actually, what's happening in the few months since you made the transition. And it all sounds fairly positive, actually, overall, given that something which is so different from what you were doing in the past. I have a small question first before we kind of move on, which is how much of this do you credit to the fact that you were always, like you said, you know, like the system admin or the person who was tinkering with the tools. Do you think it has helped substantially in learning to code and then in, in contributing? Or do you think even somebody who hasn't really been even doing that could actually try to make a transition like this? I don't think it was necessarily my experience with being a system admin or being on the technical side. It was more of me knowing how to ask Google questions or knowing how to find an answer to something in a fairly independent way. Because I, I had always had an interest tinkering with things. But it was interesting because I always liked tinkering with things, but I never went really deep on it. Mm. So for example, I know a few years ago, I, I really started this hobby of just building my own PCs and stuff and reselling them okay. and flipping them to on Facebook Marketplace. That was a bit of a hobby of mine. Nice. I was good enough at it where I could build a PC and sell it. I couldn't really tell you how it was actually all working. So it was weird in the sense where I always knew I liked to tinker to a point where I'm useful at it, mm. but I never went super deep. And so that's how I feel that's helped me a bit with engineering is that there's always so much there to learn, but I could at least tinker my way through it where I'm useful very, very quickly. And maybe that's the takeaway there. It's not necessarily like, oh, you need to have had the experience of working in a tech company. But with engineering, it's more about 
from, from what I've seen, it's more about being faced with a problem and then knowing how to navigate through the various online resources to then be able to solve it on your own, whether that be going through Stack Overflow, going through some YouTube tutorials, reading the documentation, being able to piece all of that together and then iterating at it until you're able to come up with something. I found personally that that's my, that's how I've been able to navigate through the first few months because yeah, like when, when they dropped me in, I had no idea what I was looking at at the start and it, it did require a lot of um, self-paced study. Right. I think what you're describing sounds to me like an application orientation. So maybe given a problem, you aren't going to bother about getting down into the fundamentals and the theory of all of it. You're going to look for how do I assemble the pieces in front of me to get to actually solving that thing. It's something yeah. similar to what you described with, you know, building computers. Like you don't need to know how the bus operates or how that chip is making any difference, but you can wire together the motherboard and maybe the graphics card and uh, the thing will just work and you figure out how to do that. I think that makes sense because I think also maybe programming nowadays is not so much about getting down to that lowest level stuff. I mean, in any case, nobody programs in ones and zeros or assembly language anymore. They do it in fairly visual interfaces, I guess, and with more pre-developed code being assembled together. So perhaps that sounds a little bit like you're great at assembling things towards an application. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't really recommend this approach long term. Your engineering <laughs> listeners will kill you. <laughs> but for saying that it's all just like visual now. But I think I'm able to at least get to a point where it's useful. And maybe that's not, that's not like the downside of that is that you can really accumulate a lot of tech debt along the way because mm, that is you might not be building things in the most efficient way. Um, because I think for me, sometimes I just sort of hack it together until I get to the right outcome needed at the time. Mm. But I might unintentionally add layers of complexity that might not be there. So I, I do say that it's still quite important to maybe you're figuring it out and you're able to deliver the output, but make sure you go back at it and actually mm start understanding it. And I feel like personally, that's how I've learned is that I initially do it just by following a tutorial and then it takes a while for it to then eventually click. Maybe it's in yeah. the next application that you try to do or the third time. And it's yeah. like, oh, now I understand it. And now I'm not just following a tutorial, but now I actually understand it enough where I could put my own spin on it and yeah. actually underlying principle. Okay, okay, that makes sense. I think that's a good way of describing this whole learning process as well, which is initially you are going to be paint by numbers kind of thing. Just look for the pieces, stick them together and hope it works. But as you understand how it is happening, then you will be able to do more of the development yourself or at least do it in a more streamlined, efficient sort of a way versus yeah. just pasting together stuff. So with all of that said, let's say somebody listening to this and hopefully nobody from engineering is listening to it. <laughs> But somebody not from engineering listening to this who wants to try going down this path, what's practical way that they can get started or implement your kind of approach in their own career? So I think if you're mulling a career change, especially a bit later in your career, I think start learning more about yourself and what makes you tick. That's the most important thing. This can come in the form of many different ways. You can just think about it by yourself. A lot of my my thoughts are when I'm showering, a lot of these self-reflections happen and then I come out of it with an existential crisis. But it can come in the form of guided meditation. 
I find speaking with your peers and your managers who you really trust to know you well is really important. But that's the first part is just really understanding yourself. Because once you do that, that will let you really establish your why. Why do you want to actually do this thing? Or why do you want to change careers? I think you also just want to tell yourself here, like there's no re real shame in working for money or optimizing work-life balance. Or if your dream in life is to somehow work four hours a day, but earn a six-figure salary, then go for gold, right? Like there's no judgment here. I think for me, my motivator here is more future flexibility for myself and my loved ones as well. And to be able to spend more time with them later in my career and to be able to potentially live anywhere that I want without really being bound by my job. So that that's a big factor in me choosing to go down this more technical pathway. I think another big part of this and something you need to check yourself for is just try to ask yourself if you're striving for something because you want to feel validation from others or if you're really doing it for yourself and your loved ones. Because I think for me at the start, a lot of what drove me, and it's a bit of a double-edged sword because maybe I wouldn't have gotten this far in my career, but a lot of what drove me to where I was at the start is com competition and wanting to do better than my peers and mm. being a bit jealous because especially where we used to work, like you would have someone like 10 years younger than you suddenly ending up in the same position as you and you're like, how did they do that? And why am I not there yet? Right. Um, so uh, I've <laughs> been in more of that position. <laughs> yeah. So I oh, think I it's, it. it's definitely like a big thing to realize when you're just doing something out of maybe envy or out of jealousy, because the reality is that someone is always going to end up yeah, maybe a bit more right. accomplished, a bit smarter paid a bit more than you at some point in your life. And you're, if you're always benchmarking yourself against someone else, it, it doesn't really lead to like a, a healthy, I guess, career balance or a healthy you know, mental state there with your career. The last part for me and a big part of this decision is establishing your risk appetite, both from a financial sense and also a career sense. From a financial sense, I think I've figured out along with my fiance, like our, I guess, financial situation and what sort of money we need to earn to sort of live a happy life. And what we realized is that it's not like super, super high. Like we've never, we've never dreamed to have like a super yacht or fancy cars <laughs> or Rolexes and all of that. And so that's where I figured out that, hey, there's a bit of wiggle room here where I don't necessarily have to be like C-suite by age 40. I can sort of survive and still live a fairly happy life. Mm at a certain level. And so once that pressure is out of the way, and yeah, money is definitely a big source of career pressure, right? Once you've sort of established that, then you're able to make clearer decisions, I feel. The other thing is within your career, what I did here was just really look at what are the worst possible scenarios if I ever did do this. Like some of the things I listed were things like if I transfer within my current company, but I don't like it or don't do well, my current company was pretty open with me that could maybe go back to operations or there might be still a role for me here. If for some reason I lose interest during my boot camp, it's like nothing happened. Like I'm still in my very good ops job and no one would notice a thing. If, for example, I transfer out of my company and I did poorly and I got let go as software engineer, I feel like that's the worst, worst case scenario. At least I feel I could go back into the operations field. The tech jobs are crazy at the moment. Mm -hmm. um, so I have a pretty established resume in the ops side. So maybe I'll still have an opportunity there. Or at the end of the day, if I, by the end of this, I still become a software engineer, but I end up just hating it for some reason or not liking it, or maybe for whatever reason, 
just burning out of it at some point, at least I could go back to the ops field where I already have had a bit more of a, an experience there. And I would bring in all of these new skills that I didn't have before. And that would make me a bit more valuable as an employee there. Yeah, that's right. In fact, Paolo, you're, you're showing how much of a software slash tech person you are by having a decision tree around your <laughs> risk management. If this Maybe. happens and that happens, then I will do this. <laughs> I think that's pretty cool. And in fact, in a way, I think if everybody made that kind of a decision tree for themselves, they'd probably find that this kind of a decision or frankly, any kind of a career change decision is not going to look as horrible or scary as they might think by just contemplating it in itself. So again, I think there's a little nugget over there that you shared, which is interesting uh, to listen to. So, Paolo, thank you so much for this conversation. And again, I really think a lot of people, especially in today's world where software roles are in such high demand, I think a lot of people have probably wondered how they could have can become or should have become a software engineer. And I think you've really helped answer that question, which is number one, it is very much possible to do this. And the fact that you did it through a coding bootcamp, yeah, sure, you had maybe an interest in the area and all of that. But of course, you need to have an interest in whatever area you want to take up. So given that you have laid out actually a really good way in which people can make a transition like this or a transition in general to anything else. So let me just summarize a few of the points that you were making. One takeaway for me is that you don't have to go in a straight line career path. You know, you started an ops associate, ops manager, ops leader, VP, what COO. You don't have to go in that direction. You can do different things and still keep moving forward to an extent and definitely forward in terms of what it is that you are trying to achieve in life because that's why you're making the transition. The second point that I took away is that it is important to step back. Whether you're 30, 40, 60, doesn't really matter. But from time to time, it's important to step back and evaluate what you want out of life versus what you're doing. And I think what you mentioned was that you need to understand your why either based on introspection in the shower or on feedback. Like you can talk to people uh, who you trust and try to understand their perspective as well. A third point was if you do decide to do something different, establish the risk factors. Your whole decision tree way of doing things is, is pretty cool and figure out how you might mitigate them. If this doesn't happen, what's your fallback option? What's the worst that could happen? And most likely it won't really be as terrible as you might originally think it would be. The other one which was interesting to me is that you'll actually find that many of your current skills are transferable and in fact valuable in a different role. So not only is it not a completely fresh start from zero, in fact, you're probably bringing a skill set that the other people don't have at all or don't have in as well developed as you do and which will actually help you do better in that role. Finally, I think specifically on the transition to software engineering, I think you laid out a really good roadmap which I'd like to kind of also summarize here. One is give advance notice and not like one month. Give like a year's notice so everybody knows what you're trying to do. They have plenty of time to plan. You get a lot of goodwill by, you know, having this conversation early. Of course, you can't make this transition or people will be reluctant unless you have a good track record. So you should have a good track record, have delivered something of value. You need to plan around your deliverables. So I think you ensured that you're doing this in the evenings and you won't be available, but your basic core job is not affected. Another tip that I took away is that if you're going to make this transition, learn the same tech stack that your company uses, because otherwise you'd just be learning something which is not applicable in the company at all. And then the other one which we discussed at some length was maybe when you take up the role, 
you have to get the job done so focus on doing it however it is that you can tutorials youtube whatever but then you need to develop a deeper understanding so that then you can do it well so in the beginning just just try to do it and get it done but after that you have to be good enough to get it done right and that's i think important for long term success so paolo thank you so much these were great tips and i really appreciate your time today and for those listening in please do remember to rate this episode 5 stars at least to me this was a definitely a 5 star episode it's a very different journey which most of us wouldn't have heard of or or, or been able to do as well so please rate this episode 5 stars do remember to visit crazytalk.online for the entire transcript in case you need some notes or revisit any of the points we discussed so thanks a lot paolo pleasure having you here and for those on the call thank you for listening to us today we were paolo and amit with job talk See you next time.